Good morning. Uh, like Keith said, I'm Adam Olm. I'm one of the elders. Um, for those of you that don't recognize me, this is the only, this is the second time I've ever done this. So please, I'm going to ask once again for your grace as I fumble with my words up here and my notes that I tried not to bring up multiple pages, but I did. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> Uh, so today, like he said, we're going to go be going over John 9, and um, we're actually going to be in the NIV. I typically do ESV, but I like the way the NIV um, phrases or, or translates John 9. <clears throat> so you can prepare yourself for that. Um, just as kind of a background, uh, in the previous chapter in John 8, uh, Jesus is in kind of in the middle of his ministry. He is, uh, he's going around Jerusalem and healing and teaching and teaching in the synagogues, and the Pharisees are not liking that. <laughs> um, he just, in chapter 8, he really goes toe-to-toe with the Pharisees, and he openly says that he is the Son of God, um, which drives the Pharisees crazy. And his final words in chapter 8 are, Very truly I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. Which, if you recognize the significance of that, that name, I am, or that phrase, I am, it's very significant. Um, in the Old Testament, God uses that to describe himself, I am. And it has deep philosophical meaning that hopefully I will... Uh, touch on <laughs> uh, as we go through this. Um, <clears throat> so before we get started, I wanted to kind of, just like in sports, go back to the fundamentals. Um, this is really helpful for me, and it might be helpful for some of you that aren't used to the way we uh, do, we study the word here at Friendship. Um, and it's, it's very important to the method that we use, which is texting or soaping, um, but it's, it's, I would argue, it's the fundamental way definitively to study the scripture. Um, so, uh, well, just an, another note on that. Andy started teaching this several years ago in a 9 a.m. service. Um, it was the SOAP method at that point that he was using, um, which I'm not going to dig in too much, but... Uh, um, he kind of went over the fundamentals, and it was really revolutionary for me because having grown up in the church, I never really learned a framework to view Scripture and to study through Scripture on my own the way uh, this was described to me. So, so it's really helpful for me, and I, I love to review it. Hopefully it'll be good for all of us to review here. The, the first fundamental is that the Bible is a spiritual book. Um, it was inspired by the Holy Spirit from God, and it, uh, in order to understand the truths about God in the Bible, we need the Holy Spirit to illuminate our hearts to those truths. So from the get-go, we have to approach studying the Bible from a spirit of humility that says, God, I need you to teach me what you have to teach me. I can't 
use my intelligence to figure out the truths about God on a deep spiritual level. I can't work hard enough to figure it out. I need you to teach me. So right from the get-go, we are focusing on God and approaching Scripture from a point of humility. Um, second is that the Bible is one continuous story. It's, there's a lot of small stories with a lot of people in the Bible that God used, but the Bible, the story about David wasn't about David. The stories about Moses weren't about Moses. Ruth, Esther, they were all about God, which is the third <laughs> and most important, I would say, foundational concept that, that we need to focus on is that the Bible is about God. Um, we, uh, I personally have a tendency to read myself into Scripture, which in a way it is good because I'm connecting with it, but if somehow I make myself the center of, of any passage of Scripture, I'm wrong because God is always the center. And the Bible is one long story about God because he is present and, and orchestrating everything that happens throughout the entire Bible. In fact, um, one, I, I, really, I really like the way uh, that Paige Brown, who is a woman who teaches a, a Bible study at West End Community Church um, that my wife follows, and she's an excellent teacher. Um, she phrased it in a, in a recent Bible study that my wife was watching on, on YouTube. Um, the way she phrased it was great. She said, and I'm paraphrasing because I didn't write it down right then, but um, that the Bible has one sole purpose, and that is to help us know God more. And, and that, that, that sums it up right there. The Bible is about God, and its, its purpose is to help us know Him more. So, with that in mind, we're going to pray, and we're going to start with that position of humility, and we're going to ask God to reveal to us what He wants us to know about Him. Um, then we're going to read through the Scripture, and we're going to, um, let's see, losing track of my notes here, sorry. Uh, we're going to ask God to reveal to us, by His Spirit, what He wants us to know. Um, a good practice that Andy used to do in those 9 a.m. services, which I affectionately refer to as soaping with Andy. Um, <laughs> that got a couple laughs. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, was that when he would say, what does this teach us about God? He would, he's, he's very skilled at this, he would start each point with, God is, or God does, or in, because Jesus is God, Jesus initiates, or Jesus searches. What, what that taught me is that if I try to, uh, if, I have to, if I have to construct the truth about God, starting with God, then, then he is the subject and the point, right? So I'm going to challenge you to try to do that. It it, it won't invalidate your point if, if you don't, but, <laughs> but it's a great practice. It, it's been a great practice for me. Um, and the reason it's, it's great for me is because I'm really self-centered and self-righteous, and I tend to uh, either read myself into Scripture or, or 
in, in John 9, there's a lot of stuff about the Pharisees um, and how they were way off track. My self-righteous heart is focused on how bad they were and how wrong they were and not realizing that <laughs> that's me. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, let's see. Okay, so uh, last thing before I get started. <laughs> there, um, I, I like to kind of understand the concept around a certain uh, passage, passage of scripture, scripture. So I try to find tools to help me with that. One tool that I really like that you might make a note of this, that if you want to look it up, it's really, it's really been helpful for me, is a, a website, and there is, there's also an app called Enduring Word, and it's, it's uh, done by David Guzik. And it's basically a commentary. You can pick any, any chapter in any book in Scripture, and there's commentary where he's pulled in. Um, he's done his own commentary. He's given contextual background. He's pulled in quotes from a bunch of theologians. It's, it's, um, it's been real helpful. And so anything that, that I call out today that sounds really smart, it's, it's probably from there, not from me. Um, okay. So uh, with that, we'll go ahead and, and pray and join me in prayer as we ask the Spirit to guide us. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for joining with us today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your son. And we thank you that we have the opportunity to get to know you more. Um, you are the, the only thing that that matters in the world and life and and it is our absolute privilege and joy that we get to um, connect with you and and learn about you so father please guide us and teach us today by your spirit through your word of what you want us to learn about you in jesus name we pray amen okay so john 9 as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as, long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself said, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now, the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him, how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. 
Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, How can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes that he opened. The man replied, He is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? They asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he can now see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had already, been, who had already decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've told you already, but you did not listen. Why do you want, why, why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? Then they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he had found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? the man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who will see or who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What, are we blind too? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. So, as I pull this up here, what does this teach us about God? And I, I as you mull that over. Um, I en encouraged you to focus on truths about God, but, but after we pull out some of the, the major points here, we'll, uh, we'll open season on the Pharisees because I think there's some important things, um, so, some important contrasts between the Pharisees and Jesus that are just very stark. So what does this teach us about God? Oh boy. Sorry. Tyson says, Jesus is the light of the world. All right, let's try this again. There we go.
Jesus is the light of the world. Do you ever... I was, I was thinking this through about Jesus being the light of the world and the, the amazing correlation to Jesus being the Son of God and the Son of our solar system providing all of the light for our world. Everything in our solar system revolves around, is held in place by, is sustained, life is sustained, our food, our warmth, all of that is provided by the sun. And it just makes me wonder if, if God put that system into place before time began as an image of who Jesus is, knowing that he would come into the world and say, I am the light of the world, that that is the true light of the world. <clears throat> Right, yes. Yeah, what Tyson is saying is that, that he then, he, he just before that, he says, um, let's see if I can go, go back over here. Um, let's see. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. In chapter 8, he actually, he, he also says that I am the light of the world, and he he points out that, that I don't say this to bring glory to myself. My purpose is to glorify God. I couldn't do the works I do if God hadn't sent me to do these works. Um, so the work that Jesus is doing is not even to glorify himself, which he had every right to, but he, he came to glorify the Father. <clears throat> what else? That's right. I'm just going to... That was a lot of words there. So, <laughs> Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is greater than physical ailments. Jesus, Jesus is greater than... This is kind of pointing back to one of the main points I, I wanted to, to draw out here. So um, why don't, we'll get into it. Um, one of the truths that, um, that this points to, Jesus is greater than the physical ailments of the man born blind, is that, um, let's see, how can I, uh, God may allow situations, I was hoping this would be easier than writing with the pen, but we'll, we'll see, maybe it's not, that we perceive as bad to occur so that he may be glorified. <clears throat> the disciples ask, why did this happen? They 
they ask why it happens as if it's, it's a puzzle to be solved, as, it's, as if it's a, a cautionary tale. And Jesus responds, so they ask why. Jesus responds with what, which is what God can do through this situation. Um, they were looking for the cause so that maybe it could be avoided in the future. At least that's what we can probably presume here. Um, but Jesus was providing the solution instead of looking for a cause. He was, he was providing the solution. Um, in fact, what I find strange is that these disciples who are walking next to Jesus and watching him heal people day after day instead of saying, feeling compassion for this poor man and saying, Lord, will you heal him? They're trying to get an answer to why. And Jesus, instead of looking at him as a puzzle to be solved, he looks at him as a beloved child and an opportunity to glorify the Father. And so he actually initiates the healing, or at least from what's written here in the text, we, we don't see anyone ask Jesus to heal him, not even the man, not the man's friends, as in other places in Scripture. Jesus looks upon him in, in compassion and heals him of his own volition. Um, so we can say that God allows situations that we perceive as bad to occur so that that God can be glorified. Um, many of you probably don't know all of my background. My, my dad is, um, he, he was a career pastor out in California, and um, I, my oldest sister, um, I apologize if I get emotional. Um, I, I don't usually when I talk about this, but because I'm up here, of course, the emotions are going to come out, so sorry about that. Uh, my, my oldest sister was born with severe, very severe handicap. Um, actually, my oldest two sisters were twins. They were identical twins, and only one of them was affected by a virus that was dormant in my mom's system, um, the doctors had never seen that before, that identical twins be affected, or identical twins where only one was affected and um, the other one was, was born fine. Um, they, uh, my sister was blind, she was deaf. Um, sorry. She was severely handicapped. She couldn't walk, couldn't communicate in any way that we, that we know of. Um, she was uh, mentally handicapped, physically handicapped. Um, and the doctor said, ah, she probably won't live but six weeks or so. And she lived till she was 21. <clears throat> So, why? Why did she have this great infirmity? My parents were faithful. They loved God. It wasn't anything that, that they did to cause this. Um, and 
I, I really, I greatly admire my parents through this whole ordeal because they were faithful. Her whole, well, before, during, and after her whole life and understood that, that Amy's infirmity was to glorify God. She was never healed physically. But through that situation, my parents were able to share the gospel with a lot of people. And even now, I'm telling you this, and I hope that the Spirit is working in your hearts to, to reveal who God is so that even now, her story is being used to glorify Him. Um, yeah. <clears throat> this, I kind of, I went on a lot of rabbit trails with this, this story of the man born blind as I was mulling it over and praying about it and asking God to show me truths about Him. It, he took me to a lot, a lot of places. Uh, one of which was a conversation that I had with someone who I love very much, um, who is not a Christ follower, um, and he was really struggling and asked me, how can I believe in a God who would allow, we're, we're talking about North Korea, strangely enough, um, and he said, how can I believe in a God who would allow all that evil to to happen. How can, I be, how can I believe that a God who would let that happen is good? And I, I didn't have a great response. Um, I said, I don't have all of your answers, but I know that God is sovereign and God is good. And this is an example that he shows that things that we perceive as bad, he can use for his good. He can use to further his, um, his gospel and to demonstrate how good he is. Uh, God is sovereign over everything. He's sovereign over infirmity. He's sovereign over sickness, over war, genocide, murder, rape, subjugation, slavery, you name it. God can take any situation and redeem it and make it better than if it, if it, was, if it ever had happened. That's how good a God he is. Um, this is uh, where Jesus refers to himself as I am um, that I called out from chapter 8. The the, the philosophical meaning of that, Andy's touched on it in the past several months, I believe, about that, that, the meaning of that term, I am. It means I exist. God exists. He is true. He is the only thing in the universe and out of the universe that exists of his own, of his, I don't even know what to say. He, didn't, he wasn't created. He exists. All of us, this world, this universe, all the stars exist because he wills it to exist. That chair you're sitting on, if he, if he chose that it didn't exist, you'd be sitting on the floor. <laughs> if, I, if he chose that, um, just like that, but he chooses that we exist at any given moment 
because he is God. He is sovereign over everything. He controls time. He controls health. And he is good. He's loving. That truth about the fact that God is sovereign and that he is good, though, this goes back to the, the first fundamental is a spiritual book. Um, this person I'm talking about when I said God is good and God is sovereign, I said God is good and God is sovereign, his heart wasn't prepared to accept that. That's a truth. The, all of the evils in the world are, are too big for a human mind to even comprehend, and yet God is sovereign over that. And the only way to understand and accept that is by the Holy Spirit opening the eyes of our hearts to be able to accept that. So, that's why one of the reasons I wanted to kind of go over the fundamentals again. Okay. What other truths do we, uh, does this teach us about God? Even the Pharisees understood that he must have been from God even if they wanted to deny it. Yeah, even the Pharisees understood that Jesus was from God, though they wanted to deny it. There was a division in the Pharisees. Some said, how can someone who does this not be from God? Let's see, where was that? Sixteen, thanks, Jackson. Yeah, I believe that because we're made in God's image, there is something down deep down in all of us that wants to understand the truth of who God is, even though um, some people may not be uh, ready to accept that. What
Yeah, thank you. Uh, it, it is interesting, in this case, not, not all of the miracles that Jesus performed did he ask someone to step forward in faith. But this is one case where he did. Um, there is actually... I, so, the, this miracle is really... I, I found it really interesting because... It's one where he, it, it's really rich with imagery and symbolism. Um, Jesus takes the dust of the earth and uses it uh, to, let's see, I'm, I'm just going to read my notes here because it's going to make more sense. Siloam is translated sent, as it says in the, in the scripture. The stream fl- flows through Hezekiah's tunnel, which was built in Old Testament times and is called sent because the water is sent through the conduit into the city. Jesus chose to use the dust of the ground to perform this miracle, and just as his father used it to create man, Jesus now uses it here to redeem, to make new, to fix what is broken. He takes the initiative but expects the man to respond in faith. He tells the man, he tells the man to go and wash in the water called scent for his sight. Actually, he didn't say for his sight to be made new. He just said, go do this. And the man responded. Um, he told him to go wash in the water just as we are washed in the blood of him who was sent by God and, may, and then we are made new. With that beautiful picture that we just got to witness. Um, yeah, this is, this is a really interesting miracle because of the, the or a, a whole passage of Scripture where there's things that, that are tied in from the Old Testament because the Bible is one continuous story and it's all about God and it's all tied together. Um, yeah, okay. So, <laughs> uh, anything else? Amen. Thanks, Ken. God seeks us. Jesus, at the end here, this is what I, I believe you're talking about, Ken. Um, what's that? 35, yeah. Uh, Jesus heard that when they had thrown him out, or Jesus heard they had thrown him out, and when he found him, which implies that Jesus went searching for him. Isn't that amazing? Jesus went searching for him. So God seeks us. The God of the universe seeks us. Anything else? Right. Yeah, and this is, so he, God seeks us and he expects us to respond. This is the mystery that Andy preached about recently, um, about 
God is sovereign. He chooses us, but he also expects us to respond. It's, it, it is um, uh, predestination and it is free will at the same time. I'm not going to dig into that because I'm probably not qualified and Andy addressed it a lot better. <laughs> uh, is there anything else that's standing out to you before we open season on the Pharisees? God accepts the rejected. Man, how good is that? Yeah, they. <laughs> so I, I love the man born blind. He, he's got some fire in him. <laughs> he, first of all, he knows the scripture, and he turns it around on the Pharisees. He uses scripture on the Pharisees, and then he says, "What does he say?" He said, "Do you want to be his disciple too?" I love that. <laughs> Let's see. Of course, I'm not going to be able to find it very easily. Here we go. Now, this is, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. Uh, that's, let's see. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm not finding that part, but um, instead of having you watch me just look at that, um, I'll say, does anyone have anything else? 27. Thanks, Ken. Oh, yeah. I've told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? <clears throat> I love the chutzpah of that guy. <laughs> okay. Any other truths about God? Okay. Uh, so there, there was one more that really sums up this chapter. And um, but before uh, I was, or while I was preparing for this sermon, um, I reached out to Keith and Andy and some of the, the other guys who get together, um, who, who preach up here occasionally, and said, hey, would you mind if we meet together and go through this piece of scripture together um, to help me prepare? And they were like, absolutely. Um, so what, we went and met for lunch, and that day my wife was gone with our daughters, and I had my son with me, and it was getting up, getting close to the time for me to leave, and I thought, oh, you know what, I'm going to have to take him with me. She got home in time, and I thought, you know what, I should... I should take him with me still because this is a great opportunity. And so I, um, I texted the guys and I said, hey, do you mind if I bring my son? And then I, we drove off. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and they texted back and said, yeah, of course. So um, as, as I'm driving over to the restaurant, I'm telling him, uh, he, he was eight at the time, he just turned nine. 
But he's, he's eight years old, and I said, okay, you know, so this is how this is going to go. We're going to read through the scripture. We're going to ask, what does this teach us about God? And you don't have to participate. But if there's something that, that God's speaking to you about, join in. Absolutely. Like, there's no age limit here. And I'm, you know, showing my son how it's going to be, right? So we, <laughs> we go to the restaurant. We get the food. And we sit down, and, and um, Andy prays and, start, and reads through the scripture for us. And my son is sitting next to me. His name is Zeb. And he's sitting next to me. He's eating his sandwich. He's fully engrossed in his sandwich. And um, I don't think he's paying any attention. And so <laughs> Andy finishes reading through the chapter, and it goes quiet for a second. And I kind of look over at him with... I'm sure it was like, do you have anything to say? But really like, all right, watch how this is done. And he goes, well, and, and if you know my son, if you ever talked to him, he, he takes a while to, to, to communicate his points. So he's kind of like, taking, he said, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase what he said. I wish I would have had it on video because it was perfect. He says, Jesus said that those who think they can see are the ones who are actually blind, but those who repent and believe in him are the ones who receive their sight. <laughs> and it was, <laughs> you could have heard a cricket. It was like, I just kind of turned and looked at the guys, and Andy picked up a plastic fork and just dropped it like, mic drop. And we just all started cracking up because we are like, he's... He's dead on, and it just goes to show that the Spirit can speak to... You don't have to have a lot of education or experience. We are reliant on the Spirit to, to teach us the truths about God. And even an eight-year-old boy who's going to town on a sandwich, but is listening and is connected to the Spirit, can be used by the Spirit um, it was, it was great. I, I love it. So, so that's the third main point that, that I, that really stood out to me was that Jesus said, those who think they can see are the ones who are actually blind, but those who repent and believe in him are the ones who receive their spirit. There, there was one more thing that, uh, there was one more thing that, uh, actually a couple more things that, that I wanted to call out here, um, as we go through what the, what the, the Pharisees, the section on the Pharisees. So, um, is there anything that stands out to you about the Pharisees' behavior? Jealousy and fear. Jealousy and fear, yeah. Let's see. We'll put Pharisees. Um, they were... They were jealous and fearful. And Jesus, they were jealous and fearful of what Jesus was doing, but he was confident. He didn't back down. He told them the truth because he's God. And he didn't, he didn't hesitate. He didn't back down. And he wasn't about to... Uh, cower to what, what they were trying to say was the right thing. They, 
one of the most amazing things that just blows my mind is that the Pharisees all throughout Jesus' ministry, one of the biggest things that they tried to use was him actually doing God's work on the Sabbath. They were taking the gift of rave to us. They tried to use it on God himself. <laughs> they tried to take God's gift and use it as a, as, and put, force him into this little box, which is just a joke. It's ridiculous. They, they lost their minds. Um, here, just to... Um, Here. They still did not believe that he had been blind and received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? They asked. Is this the one you said born blind? We know he is our son, the parents said, and we know he was born blind, but how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. The parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, He is of age, ask him. A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner, he replied. Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already. You did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. And the man answered, Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Okay, so we see the Pharisees just going off the rails. And... and some areas that they're just in stark contrast to Jesus. They were so proud to be disciples of Moses, a dead murderer who was prevented from entering the promised land because he lost his temper when they had the Messiah right there in front of them performing miracles. It just it makes me remember in 1 Samuel when the people, the Israelites, demanded a king. They want a person to look to instead of looking to God. And this isn't just the Israelites. This isn't just the Pharisees. This is a temptation that we as humans have. We often want a king. This is why we don't have a, a, a human lead pastor here at Friendship Church. Jesus is our lead pastor. We don't want to put Andy or Keith or me or anyone else in a position that people can look to and start being disciples of that person. We are disciples of Jesus. <clears throat> uh, let's see. They made an idol out of God's gift. They idolized these, these, this particular gift of the Sabbath instead of understanding that 
as Jesus viewed it correctly, that it was, it was um, let's see, Jesus viewed it correctly and did God's work to glorify God on that day that is supposed to be consecrated to him. The Pharisees expected God to fit in the box they created for him, and Jesus would not be contained by a man-made box. The Pharisees were wallowing around in spiritual blindness, and they were very angry that someone else had received sight and without their permission. They were arrogant. They were self-centered and self-righteous. I, I mentioned I have those tendencies too, which is why my, my tendency is to focus on the Pharisees and be like how, how wrong they are when they're doing exactly what I do. Uh, they were, this is something that Keith pointed out when we were having lunch. The Pharisees were wolves, and Jesus was the shepherd. They were going around interrogating people and, and treating the recipient of the miracle as if he was a criminal. It seems crazy reading it from this, uh, this detached perspective, but they were so far out of alignment from God that they were perpetrating evil in God's name. So, what does this mean for us? It means that we have tendencies like the Pharisees. Uh, I'll, I'll speak for myself. I have tendencies like the Pharisees. If you're like me, you have those tendencies too. And so we always need to be course correcting and pointing ourselves and each other back to Jesus, gently. One of the, one of the things that I love about the way, um, the way the man born blind um, comes to a, a realization of who Jesus is, is he, let's see, let me find it in my notes here. He... He first calls him a man. Then he, as a little bit of time goes by, he calls him a prophet. And eventually, when he sees Jesus and recognizes who he is, he calls him Lord. Now, there are a lot of people that have these immediate transformations and recognize Jesus as Lord immediately, like Paul. But... That's not everybody's journey. What's so amazing is that God is so gentle and gracious that he allows people, he knows people deeply, first of all, and he knows when people need some time to gradually come to the realization that he is Lord. And I'm so grateful for that because that, that's me. That's my story. I, I don't have an immediate turnaround story. I grew up in the church and I was, I, I knew all the Bible stories, all that stuff, but I was not following Jesus with my life. It took me a long time of, of the Spirit working on me and He still is working on me, but to recognize that Jesus is Lord and that he is sovereign, and that my whole purpose is to serve him and to love him and to know him. And so I'm, I'm just really grateful at how gracious 
Jesus is in gentle. <clears throat> I was going to quote Dumb and Dumber, which I don't know if that's appropriate from the, <laughs> the pulpit, but as I was reading, reading this and, and thinking about that, I just can't, I, I, I couldn't help but think of anything else than the, the last scene of Dumb and Dumber when, he, when Lloyd says, excuse my friend, he's a little slow. I'm the friend. <laughs> and I'm grateful that, that God is gracious. So, um, the takeaway today, I would say, is recognize that Jesus is the light of the world. And don't be a Pharisee. <laughs> be self-examining continually. Always be looking back to Jesus and course-correcting. Encourage each other, correct each other in grace and love. Um, yeah, okay. So I'm going to close us in prayer, and if the worship team wants to make their way up here, that would be great. Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for what you are doing by your Spirit in people's hearts. Um, I pray that that I didn't get in the way of, of your message to people, of what your truths, what truths you have to reveal to people today, Lord. Um, we know that you are sovereign. We know that you are the only light in the universe, the spiritual light that we need to recognize your truths, Lord. We love you and we thank you and we pray that you would just go with us this week. In your holy name we pray, amen.